Good afternoon, I guess it's a bit more of a pre-noon. You are listening to Action Line on KNY, and joining me today is City Assembly Member Wade Bryson. Now, I gotta say, Wade, this felt like it was it was only a matter of time before I had you come on. I told you I'd, I'd make a good backup for when you needed me. Uh, it's good to be on here, Jordan. I'm honored to be uh, interviewed by you. Yeah, it's, I've been looking forward to talking with you. I mean, obviously, you do Problem Corner right after my program, and it's always interesting to hear what's going on there. I actually have a list of things I want to talk to you about. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might be able to cover some of those, yeah. Oh, definitely. So first off, let's start with, you and I were talking about this a little bit before the show, about uh, a North Douglas tour. Oh, the North Douglas uh, bike tour. Um, that was on the committee of the Holes agenda on Monday that we uh, discussed that. Um, you know, the, the city has a system, so that way when somebody wants to operate a tour in Juneau, they go through the parks and rec process because it's, the city's set up so that the assembly doesn't have to make individual decisions about issuing permits for a bike tour. Uh, This is the smallest uh, bike tour that would be operated in Juneau. And, um, you know, it's if they'd have picked a trail, no one would have ever heard of this. Instead, they picked a wide, uh, I think it's known as a travel corridor or something like that. But because we didn't have it in code that, you know, large travel corridors or pioneer roads are considered the same as trails. That's the only detail that got it where we're having a discussion about it, which then opened up the topic of how much tourism is enough, which is unfair to base on these uh, local families trying to start a small tour operation. Um, It also satisfied one of the, one of the asks that people had that we spread tourism out so that it's not all concentrated in the downtown section. And, uh, I think this does a phenomenal job of spreading things out. Um, like I said, if they would have picked a trail on Douglas, we wouldn't even heard of this on the city level. It just wouldn't have come to the assembly. Uh, it's only there. And I'd like to remind everybody that there are hundreds of bike tours that take place during the summer every day, um, that are far more, uh, in the community, like, Montana Creek or on Backloop Road where there's a significantly higher amount of traffic and population lives. So this, these guys went as far out of the way as they could. Uh, I, it just seems like a, because it touched on the tourism topic, people wanted this issue to be a larger issue. And that's not really fair for those people that just want to do couple of tours a day Uh, we should and we are having discussions about tourism and its impacts on the city but i don't think it's fair to penalize somebody especially local people that want to open up business here in juno that's we should be encouraging that not dissuading it i know i can hear you on that because i mean you even think about it like obviously tourism is a huge huge player in for juno's economy and so it pays 25 percent of our bills there you go there's an actual number for it and so you think about you would, I would, it would seem like you would want to encourage more tourism operations and more things of that nature. So to hear that there would be, you know, proposals that that might be an issue is interesting to me. Not everybody agrees what the level of tourism should be in Juneau. While people understand that it is important to our economy, um, people have varying opinions on trying to pick how many tourists enough. And I think that's the biggest mistake is thinking that we could pick a number. We cannot. We can either be encouraging and inviting or not. Those are really the only two policies that we can. Trying to say that the city could pick a number is uh, uh, is, is false because let's say that tour, there's not as many cruise ships available um, 
or people are saying, hey, they don't want us to travel on cruises. Well, then they come to Alaska and stay in short-term rentals because they want to come. They had to now get themselves up to Alaska and staying on their floating hotel. And so then they have, they're staying in our neighborhoods and, you know, it's way different when you have a short-term rental uh, tourist. They do put more money into the community, but they're also in the community. So they need our resources. Like they need police, they need fire, they need water and sewer. When they come on a boat, they leave on a boat and there's a lot less city infrastructure that needs to be there to support that level of tourism. And as time goes on, we're only going to see more independent travelers and uh, cruises are easy and cheap. That's what they're going to take. I do have exciting news. I don't even know if I can say this out loud, but I'm going to anyways. The cruise industry signed the five ship limit yesterday or the day before. I don't even think I'm supposed to know that yet. I know it hasn't been announced yet, but the five ship limit that the community was strongly advocating for that's probably the best way has been signed like the cruise industry gets it they want to work with juno to be a cooperative partner and that's probably the biggest news announced on action line in a little while no i mean it certainly sounds like it i mean if it's only just now been been announced i mean that's i mean unofficially obviously in this capacity but definitely unofficially in this capacity (laughs) but uh no that is that is quite big you know when you mentioned those uh because this has just come to my mind because you had mentioned the short-term rentals we all obviously we also have to talk about housing in Juneau. That's always going to be a big topic. Housing. All right. So the one thing I'm really proud of is that the CBJ Assembly has pushed forward every lever that is available to us to move housing forward. And we had a, a work session a couple Fridays ago uh, for Lands Housing and Economic Development, um, and that was led by uh, Alicia Hughes Scandies, and we got a great picture that listed more things than I can remember that the city has done to encourage housing development. And uh, I think the one message that I would send is that if you think that we're being unfair, like you shouldn't do incentives for multifamily housing or something like that, don't tell us what other people are getting. Tell us what you need so that you can build housing. Um, I don't think we've, we've entertained every idea. That's, so we've looked at every idea on what could create uh, or help improve the housing situation. So if you have something we haven't discussed yet, bring it to us. No, definitely. And I know a lot of people like the reason why they, there's people who cannot move to Juneau or that they won't, or are unable to you know stay is because housing is so hard to find or housing is very expensive. And obviously housing prices itself are, you know, those are controlled by a lot of different factors. But hearing that there's more being done to try and help mitigate some of the housing issues is very good, to, is interesting to hear. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I really wish we knew other things that we could do because we would do them. I mean, we have backed this up by millions of dollars going into the affordable housing fund. Um, the problem that we run into is that it costs roughly $300 a square foot to build and you can't make that number go away. So we're having to look outside the box and, um, using the affordable housing fund to help nonprofits create more housing we think might be a good vehicle to create that that affordable housing component yeah no definitely uh another topic i wanted to hit uh during at least during our first half year is uh, is trash gotta talk about trash. <laughs> i'm on top of the trash pile i promise um so Trash has been a, an issue in Juneau. Uh, eight, nine, ten years ago, they closed. We had an incinerator where the current recycle center is. You would drive in, and as long as it was household trash, 
it would go into the incinerator. That closed down. It had uh, air quality issues. Um, we have since been looking, sometimes more deeply than others, um, at what Juno should do for its current and future trash issues. Um, you know, no road out of Juno changes the game. Uh, we know that one of our sister cities ships their trash down south. Oregon receives a lot of trash. We send our PFAS-laden dried human bio-waste to Oregon because they don't have a law against it. Eventually, Oregon's going to close it off and say, we're not accepting any more PFAS. Well, Juno will literally have no place to put their poop. I mean, so we have to look at this problem holistically, and we are actually having the first work session uh, for uh, solid waste on April 6th or 7th, that first Thursday in April, where we're bringing all the players. We're going to get everything on the table. This is what we're looking at, and hopefully have a good enough discussion where we have a complete picture and a path forward. No, definitely. I mean, just hearing some of the issues that there have been about trash to know that a large part of it is just because we just don't have currently at least the resources to handle it is interesting to hear because I didn't I had been unaware of that fact. Yeah. The other thing to keep in mind is that uh, the city doesn't control the pickup or the carrier uh, or collections. That's the phrase they use. The city has no say over that's private entity does collections. And then another private entity does post collections or holds it. And the city is only an active participation through our communication with them because we have no, we don't have control over those two operations. Um, the biggest thing that came that has really gotten trashed to the top of everybody's mind is that they uh, are, they've steered away from allowing Juno residents to just freely visit the dump and throw their stuff away. Um, that is not the practice in many, many landfills. You, no citizen can go up to the, to the landfill face, the exposed part of the landfill that's not underground where everything is getting dumped on. Uh, there's so many landfills that just don't allow that at all. A lot of cities have a transfer station where citizens will go dump all their stuff and then that will bring it to the landfill. And I can envision something like that in Juneau. It would make a whole heck of a lot of sense. But dealing with the problem in a way that we can reduce the existing landfill, I think has to be a component of it. No, definitely. It's interesting to hear that. We're going to be taking our quick break. And then when we come back, we'll be talking more about a couple other topics I have planned for you. You are listening to Action Line on KNY. Welcome back to Action Line. I am still your host, Jordan Lewis, and joining me in the studio is still Wade Bryson from the City Assembly. Hello. Before we went into the break, we were talking about trash in the landfill, but I have two other big topics I want to talk with you about. First up, I want to talk to you about the Douglas Crossing. I understand that it's actually been years that we've been talking about that project. Uh, for a very long time. I do not know when the original discussion of a second crossing came up, um, but we definitely have uh, gone down that path. They had tried it two other times where there was like an uh, actual attempt, like a governmental attempt at getting the second crossing. It failed both times uh, due to wetlands issues. They just weren't able to figure out a way around the wetlands that still made the second crossing make sense. Uh, they've been, uh, they're one year into a planning and environmental linkage study, a Pell study. Um, I was one of the two liaisons. Uh, Christine Wall was the other liaison to that. And so we've participated in three technical stakeholder advisory meetings. And then last Thursday, right? Was it Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday? One of the, 
the second, um, we hosted uh, through Public Works and Facilities um, a town hall about the second crossing. And I got to tell you, it was probably one of the best city meetings I've ever attended. Um, now, I was the chair, so I might be a little biased, but we got information and perspectives that were literally across the spectrum from people that were heavily favored to it to people that were that were in favor but wanted conditions from people that wanted conditions fixed before they'd be in favor of it all the way to people who didn't want it. a couple of residents from north douglas said no don't do that to me so it was very helpful is that it gave us a wide perspective of how the community feels about it and what some of the issues that really might become sticking points for us to move forward. Uh, this group, the the group that's helping uh, pl- this planning section, um, the more they work with the Southeast Alaska Land Trust, the smoother this transaction is going to be. Uh, we're still four, five, six years away. Two years of the next phase, two years after that. I think NEPA um, uh, is the like the next two year phase. So we're not we don't have a bridge across to Douglas yet. Um, the one good news that came from that technical advisory meeting is that they have eliminated some options. So they eliminated the two that were north of the airport, uh, the hundred tall foot, four hundred foot long bridge that would have been four hundred million. It's now not part of the. It's been eliminated. The study that was right next to the airport that included a tunnel off the ta- it's off the table uh it's not being discussed anymore uh same with uh, a couple of the locations that were really close to the bridge those are not being discussed anymore as well so they went through a screening process they've narrowed it down to four options um and it's really from sunny point to twin lakes is where they're looking at crossing now and we've made more progress than at any other time and it has federal state and local funding if we're going to get the second crossing it's going to be in about six years or it's going to be never that's that's what it's coming down to gotcha i was going to say hearing the 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 tunnel is not going to go the the idea anymore i'm like okay because i was trying after i talked to christine about it i was like okay um i don't that that one seems kind of strange because you mean i don't imagine southeast as a place to have a tunnel at that doesn't really doesn't really line up in my brain there but i also understand like if it doesn't go through now it probably never will is that correct uh yeah well i I wouldn't say never because you never know what happens in government how uh however what i can say is that if we don't take advantage of this opportunity where the state that's the big deal the state has said okay we're taking dot resources and we're going to see about this second crossing um so the state's focusing on it we have uh federal um uh, dollars. Uh, Lisa Murkowski got a $7 million for planning. And with the city knowing that, you know, there was momentum behind it, the city has uh, resources, meaning employees time uh, working on things for the second crossing to have all three levels of government working on it. This is our opportunity. Um, if all, th- if we say no, then it, this will get so back shelved. I don't think any of us would be alive to see the second crossing if it happened in the future. Gotcha. And then I was trying to talk to Christine about this uh, last when I talked to her, but I think you might you would elaborate a bit more. I mean, what are some of the primary reasons for for wanting that second crossing? I mean, oh, safety and security. If anything were to happen to the Douglas Bridge, forget about it. You're 
that, that would be catastrophic for the community. Um, right now we have the Glacier Valley Fire Department and fire departments are supposed to serve a 360 degree circle so that they're only two miles in any direction. Um, North Douglas doesn't even remotely come close to that. Um, a family member having a heart attack on North Douglas where, where every second counts we we don't have adequate transportation for that. So there's a, a main safety reason of only having one access to a large section of our population that is then cut off from all of the city resources. Um, but then the other component of it is North Douglas Highway is a highway, but it should never have been designed or called a highway because it has literal driveways accessing to it. And state DOT doesn't design highways with driveway access is a bad idea. Um, so having that second crossing, you could remove a lot of traffic from the Douglas Highway, and that's going to make Douglas Highway a safer highway. So all kinds of safety reasons. Um, we also need additional land in Juneau. Land is harder, and so a second crossing does literally open uh, up more land options. So uh, if we want to move the community forward, we have to have a, a forward-looking vision. Definitely. Now, this has been the big topic I'm trying to get more information on, which is the Systemic Racism Review Committee. The SRRC. You would ask the, the one middle-aged white guy to comment on that. Um, but that's okay. Here's, here is what happened. Three years ago, during the Black Lives Matters movement, we had listening sessions. We did two separate listening sessions to hear what the community felt. And coming from that, uh, through... Uh, Rob Edwardson, who was on the assembly at the time, we came up with a systemic racism review committee. I was the chair of human resources at the time, so I did the initial interview to get uh, the initial group onto that. Um, they've gone three years, and they have not found anything systemically racist on the surface through the ordinance and resolutions that we operate on. And I even predicted that that we have great staff members. There is no way that any of the people that we've employed in Juneau would would write actual racism components to anything that we're doing. It's just not part of it. And so now the Systemic Racism Review Committee, who their scope was limited, so they couldn't go dig into other things and see where they lie. They could... They were restricted at only looking at the ordinance that we passed or that we were discussing at that time. And so now they wanted to take some of their sideboards off. And the assembly was having a discussion, well, how do we take the sideboards off and what sideboards do we give them? And to me, in my mind, I'm like, how is this not part of the systemic racism if the people in control are like, let us decide the sidebars of the review systemic racism review committee. It's almost like a little thick with irony. How do we navigate that? I did not navigate it well on Monday night. I, I'm, I'm working on it. I've had a couple of conversations with a, a few other folks so that I could help with this conversation. I don't think that there's a person in Juno that would want systemic racism to be perpetuated. But at the same time, I don't believe that, because I haven't seen it, that our city ordinances would be direct and deliberate racism. So it's, I want to give the committee all the tools that they need to go dig in as deep as they want to go. 
Gotcha. Yeah, no, when I had first seen that the committee really had a, was even a thing when I had first moved back down here, that, I mean, naturally it would catch my attention. I am someone who is, you know, while I am of a mixed race background, I am, you know, predominantly black presenting. And so that's how I have to, that's how I choose to identify. And so hearing that is very interesting to me that the such committee is in place, but hasn't found anything, which while that part is nice, it does lead to the additional question of well, what all have they been able to look at? So hearing that they haven't been able to look in too far is kind of what drew my attention to that. So their sideboards were look at the ordinances that we have introduced and are going to be putting for public testimony at the next assembly meeting and see if there's any systemic racism in it. And I even said from the beginning, you're never going to find it there. It is not there. It is in other deeper things, uh, and it's in consequences. So Juno's been pretty self-aware for a long time. It, it doesn't surprise me that much that they weren't able to find things on the surface on those ordinances. So let's let them look deeper. No, definitely. Well, we got about a minute left. Wade, do you have any closing comments? Um. You know, I, I'd like to say how much I enjoy serving on the assembly. I, I just I thrive on it. Um, I get introduced and discuss topics from our police force who, uh, you know, we've, it's been a challenging environment to hire new police. We've really turned the dials up on, you know, we have a, a signing wage. We have a retention or a signing bonus. We have a retention bonus. We did raises to them. I mean, like, so it's topics like that, that, man, you have to go and start unpeeling the layers and be like, wait a second, the problem is deeper than that. Trash, great example. It affects all of us, but you have to really go into the details to find out, okay, what's the issue? What is the real problem? And how can we move towards solving it? Um, Man, there's so many things that happen in, in these days in your life right now that I can say, Hey, here's where I had a positive impact on that because of my role on the assembly. Um, I was one of the assembly members that as we were trying to solve water and wastewater rates four years ago, that they couldn't really find an easy path forward. And I came up with one that was the four, two, two, and two. And through that suggestion, I bet you every Juno household pays 20, 15 to $20 a month less on their water bill because I was able to give input on a topic at the right time. And then the assembly liked that idea and went with it. Um, you know, it's little things like that that just make it worthwhile. All right. Well, Wade, thank you for coming on. I know you got problem corner here in a bit, so I don't want to hold you up before going into that, but I'd like to thank you for coming on. All right. Hey, it's been an honor to be on uh, Action Line with you, Jordan. I'm I'm glad to be interviewed by you. Um, We do have to switch chairs, sir. We do have to switch chairs. (laughs) You've been listening to Action Line on KNY.